Mutability. Welcome to Nature's Lead. This is a podcast available at naturesleed.com that both examines and inspires a certain approach towards life that is based both on personal philosophies and on the writings of people such as Emerson and Thoreau. Please send any feedback to info at naturesleed.com or drop a comment onto either the blog or onto iTunes. This is Series 2, Episode 31, Title, Love is Yours. Welcome back. I hope you're doing well. In this episode, I talk about beauty and love, and I read one of Shakespeare's most famous sonnets. So we'll get to that in a second, but first, today's random window. I'm overlooking the ocean right now as I speak to you. Water is like magic. The oceans are like a liquid forest that we generally avoid. Sure, we have boats, but they only insulate us from the water. And we even dip and sneak into the edges of the oceans, splash about, and then come running out to get dried off as if we're on fire. Even the deep dives of rubber-wrapped adventurers last but minutes, with intervals of weeks, if not months. Now, as a whole, water remains a mystery, a large unknown that we poke and prod before running off to scribble and lecture. On to the main topic. Love is yours. Well, this is an easy topic. Hmm. <laughs> love, love, love. Just like the Beatles song. Since m- nothing much has been written on this topic, I pretty much have an open canvas. Well, I think in the end, the one way to make it meaningful is to personalize it with your own opinion and feelings. So I'll try to do that often in this episode. That way it doesn't sound too rehashed or derivative. Let me say right off the bat, I love women. (laughs) I notice at work that I miss women. I wish I worked around more of them. My line of work, technology and software architecture is dominated by men, and I spend most of my day in that environment. Maybe I feel that need because I like women. Maybe it's the sexual tension. No, I don't like making it so black and white. So many take the Freudian approach and relate any fun interaction with the opposite sex back to a core underlying sexual drive. But I think there are gradients in life. Everything or most everything, to me, has so much gray. But gray is great. Black and white is sort of antiseptic, boring. With women, I feel like they bring a certain energy to the workplace, a certain vibe, a spark. Yes, I feel that way because I'm a man, because women are different than men. They're not better, they're not worse, they're just different. Yes, I'm attracted to women, but that doesn't mean every interaction with a woman that is enjoyable and fun has to be traced back to a sexual impulse. To me, that belittles the beautiful gray that is a stimulating conversation, some great humorous banter, innocent teasing. Yes, even teasing. I'll tell you right now, I've had some verbal teasing sessions with plenty of women who I certainly had no attraction to, but I would never have had those same sessions with a guy. It just wouldn't groove the same. Yes, guys tease each other, but it's often in a whole different style. So yes, with certain interaction, it only seems to fit with women, but that doesn't automatically mean you have to jump to the sex argument. 
It means we're dancing in those thick pools of gray that life meanders through like a wide, slow stream down the gentle incline of a resting mountain's back. What does this have to do with love? I just want to get you thinking about the qualities we see in those that we may someday love deeply. Who are we going to end up loving is not black and white to me. Different people have different mixtures of life, and none of them should be quickly dismissed due to a perceived deal-breaker. I notice in life, in general, that I don't notice the details when seeing things. I remember an impression. This, to me, means I'm attaching emotion and feelings to a scene. I like seeing this way. I often don't notice the individual features of a woman. I only notice the overall impression. My reaction to the world is wholeheartedly subjective and not objective. I use these two words a lot. I don't know if I have in the podcast, but in life I do. For those of you not 100% familiar with the difference, let me explain because it's very crucial. Objective means you look at and analyze a thing without your personal bias affecting your judgment. Subjective is allowing personal opinion to affect the analysis, statement, or whatever. When more of the world is noticed, when the small things become meaningful to us, then more of life becomes naturally subjective. Most people would see the trees outside my window at work objectively. They're trees. But when they carry meaning for someone like me, the view becomes subjective, a personal thing. So back to women. My reaction to women, therefore, is one that is subjective and personal. I react to the feel of the whole picture, the whole woman. And very often, the type of nose, the shape of the mouth, and things like that go unnoticed by me. It would be like me picking out a small branch upon looking at a tall tree and saying, well, that branch looks funny. Now, I don't mean that I'm reacting to the existence or absence of my attraction to every woman I see. I'm reacting to the feel of the person. A great benefit of this is that I am then judging a person by both the surface and the substance. The personality, the looks, the thoughts, they all combine into a single composite to which I react. Therefore, when it comes to attraction or love, a woman with physical beauty that is not my ideal may have an interesting or amazing personality in mind that overshadows the physical. The composite of the person wins me over and is all that matters. If I did break things down into pieces that had to stand on their own merit, it would become much harder to be happy in life. Life would become more mathematical. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, Oh, she or he has a great nose or great eyes or great lips. I then look at the person and say, yeah, I guess, because now I'm picking out one part and comparing it to some externally seated ideal. This is incongruous to me. A person is too complicated for me to judge the whole on a few of its billion parts. Probably the eyes, for most of you, seem like the perfect trump to what I'm saying. But I'll be honest, it's often not until someone points it out that I then see that aspect and say, yeah, you're right, she does have beautiful eyes. Look at it this way. I can name many actresses with slightly larger noses that I think are beautiful. And a perfect nose, whatever that is, 
on the same person would probably not work. It's the whole package. It's a package deal. So why go on and on about this? I think beyond the first advantage I mentioned, a larger theme here is allowing your own personal, natural inclinations toward beauty to come alive. When we start picking out pieces, it's easier to fall into the trap of what society thinks is beautiful. When we look at a nose or the eyes or hair, we begin to easily categorize into our best-learned buckets of labels, stereotypes, and manufactured facts. You show me two people, and I can probably tell you which one society would label as more beautiful, which directly translates into or implies being more desirable, more valuable. But you have me meet those two people and spend time with them for a couple days, and my choice would be as random as anyone's. This is the beauty of love. Love is for everyone, because in the end, true love is subjective, personal. It's a natural incarnation from inside our soul. I want to read you one of Shakespeare's most famous sonnets, probably the most famous one. This is sonnet number 18. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and summer's lease hath all too short a date. Sometime too hot the eye of heaven shines, and often is his gold complexion dimmed, and every fair from fair sometime declines, by chance or nature's changing course, untrimmed. But thy eternal summer shall not fade, nor lose possession of that fair thou owest. Nor shall death brag thou wanderest in his shade, when in eternal lines to time thou growest. So long as men can breathe or eyes can see, so long lives this, and this gives life to thee. Now speaking of subjective, this poem has been scrutinized almost as much as Hamlet. I don't want to break it down and juggle the pieces here. I want to stay with our theme of impression and try to pull meaning without the scholarly banter. For me, the most innocent and beautiful way to, to define this poem is to see a man trying to give a wondrous gift to his true love. Through his writing about her, he is immortalizing her beauty and spirit. She will fade, but the poem will remain. He's captured her essence, much differently than a picture or a portrait would. And he succeeded, because here we are, reincarnating this woman 400 years later. Sure, maybe he had underlying intentions here. Maybe there are different layers that he very well intended, but I don't care. I care from a certain scholarly standpoint, and I also do want to know his true intentions, but none of that should take away from my personal impression, even if the artist didn't intend it. There's a whole school of literary theory around this, but you don't need a literature degree to know how to react with your own personal judgments and feelings. So at that moment when you're concentrating on your own impression of something like this, you have to throw out all of the other concerns. You have to suspend your learned analysis of things and just react with your heart. I love literature and the value of it, so I enjoy this poem because it ties together the worth of writing 
with the real world, in this case, a loved one. It's marrying the imagined reality of black ink soaked into flat paper with the tangible reality of a woman that you could reach over and touch. And this marriage promotes these written words to a new status on the ladder of existence. In this episode, I haven't really tackled some of the hardest questions, like speaking to the meaning of love or the significance of it. I will do that in a future episode. I wanted to here concentrate on the beginnings of love, the first steps, the first impressions that lead to a richer, deeper love down the road. If love is so hard to find, then we don't want to misinterpret its calling card. When it comes to all of our life's fret and fire while we are here breathing along the hours, love is one of the most personal things we will ever experience. And for that reason, it should be ever pursued to its natural end. If you are lucky enough to at least fall in love with someone once, then even if it doesn't last as long as you'd like, consider yourself fortunate when you look back on yourself in the last of your days, because that love is yours. That brings us to a close. So until next time, I wish you well, and don't forget to follow Nature's Lead.